Hello and welcome to Much Deal About Rugby episode 9, where we chat about everything rugby. I'm back again with my two friends, Max and Maliki, and today we have a very special guest. It's our first pro rugby player special. Welcome, Rory McConaughey. Insert crowd clap. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Rory? How are you? Yeah, good thanks. Good thanks, Ads. Good to be here on the pod. Yeah, we're very, we're very happy. The biggest podcast you. in rugby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, do you want to try to start off? Yeah, Okay. Okay, awesome. So um, to start off with, just really quick 30 seconds, could you just, in a nutshell, talk about your rugby career from schoolboy rugby all the way through to your now, really quickly? 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, 30 seconds, right. Um, so I started off <laughs> age of sort of seven or eight at London Scottish Rugby Club, Um me and my family used to live in London. We moved down to Kent, uh, where I joined Cranbrook Rugby Club and then later Cranbrook School at the age of 14, um, where I was there till 18 years old. Um, left school, but stayed part of the club until about, I think the last game I played was about 20 or 21 years of age. Um, uh, after that, I... Finished school, did a year out um, in New Zealand where I was a teaching assistant, but also played a bit of rugby on the sides. But it, like my goal out there was literally just to do sort of gap student roles and, and be able to travel New Zealand and Australia at the same time. Um, from that, I came back, went to University of Gloucester, um, where I spent four years there. Um, again, didn't go there for the rugby, sort of went there. As I knew it had a good teaching college at the end of it, and that was that was my goal at the time, becoming a teacher. So, ended up playing for the uni for three or four years, playing for a club called Nuneaton, just north of Coventry, for a couple seasons, and then in my last year at uni, played for Hartbury RFC, which is their national one Saturday side. Um, and sort of throughout my uni career, managed to get a few trials with England students and Great Britain sevens uh great britain university sevens um where lucky enough got scouted for england sevens and managed to get a trial in my last year at uni with the sevens and basically with about two months to go before i finished my degree uh got a contract offer so ended up going going along with the sevens managing to travel the world for three years which was incredible seeing all these all these sites and places that you never think you'd uh, be able to visit um and it was part of my job which was even better um and along that time I managed to uh get involved with team gb and was lucky enough to, yeah, to go to the rio olympics in 2016 um and then in 2018 made the transition from sevens to fifteens where i joined bath rugby um and have been there for the last have been here for the last two years and also managed to get to a world cup with england at the same time you speak so modestly rory (laughs) 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 Uh, exactly it must be one of the most interesting stories in rugby for sure and one of the most interesting routes and we're going to start off from the beginning uh cranbrook school rugby as some of you uh frequent listeners might know uh, myself, Mal and Ed all went to Cranbrook School, uh, so we're really lucky to have Rory as an alumni, um, which is really great great for us to see, and we like to think we've, we've followed you all the way through, Rory, um, <laughs> since since your sevens days and all the way up. Um, so we wanted to ask you, who would you say from Cranbrook are your biggest influences, uh, and perhaps if you have some, some of your best memories or most pertinent memories from your time at Cranbrook, if you could maybe share them. <clears throat> so I'd, I'd say... Probably, yeah, biggest influence on rugby would be 
key people at, at Cranbrook School. Um, it would be Alex Presnell, who was my, he was actually, he was never actually my coach. Um, he, he did, a, he did like game sessions on a Wednesday or, or Monday, whenever it was, but he was my housemaster from year 10 up till year 13 in Ramel. Um, so he had a massive influence and also Nick Martin, um, who you guys wouldn't have met left, I think in my year when, when we were leaving and he was, he was our under 14s coach when I first joined, but by the end of it, he was first team coach. Um, and yeah, he, mass- both of those guys massively helped my rugby career. So, so did you, did Nick sort of you went through up the school almost like with him then? Yeah, yeah. So he he was always pretty much our our coach. Uh, he would have been our coach on a game session, year nine, year ten, and then sixth form, year eleven. We had uh, Alex Cruz, who classic, who, who <laughs> sort of brought in the sort of mental toughness side. I just remember us being beasted. <laughs> Just so much fit, so many fitness sessions, um, and it probably helped us massively because until then we weren't the biggest, we weren't the strongest. But like, he sort of just changed it. It was less rugby, more just grueling, grueling hard work, which was good. Talking to Prez about um your team, obviously, because he did duties in Cornwallis, which was my boarding house and Mal's boarding house. Um, just before, just before we left, um, he did duties. So talking to him, he said that your first team was by no means the biggest like it was apparently just big dave that was that was mm. kind of the size in the team so how did that how come you guys were like so good despite not having the biggest team i'm not i i guess my last last two years at cranbrook it was i'd still argue i don't know what the records are now but i'd still argue probably the two strongest years the school has had in terms of first team and and, and maybe second third team i think are I think our second and third team, I think, almost went unbeaten as well throughout the season. Um, and it was just one of those groups of years that it just it clicked for in our last two years. I remember in year 9, 10, 11, we were definitely not the most successful side. Like in year, year 10, honestly, we were getting beaten by 50, 60 points most games. And we were just like, we just assumed we, we weren't that good. And then like we would definitely like late growers, like I think year 11, we actually started to start to play pretty well and, and sort of realised that actually these kids that we played at 14 that looked like men actually weren't that big. And we'd sort of caught up with them by the time we were 16. And then as it went to first team level, I think our first year when we were in year 12 gave us massive confidence. Uh, like we had, we as you said, we weren't, definitely weren't the biggest team, um, but we just we had some serious wheels out wide. We had we had Mari Caro. Um, oh who yeah, you might He's have heard about professional rugby league player, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So played rugby league, played in the Super League, like one Super League fastest man. Um, I think in his second year there, which is like a hell of an achievement. And he was sort of running in the ten seconds for one hundred meters at schoolboy level on on grass. So it's like it just makes a huge difference. And it and he was physical. So like I remember our first game, I'm pretty sure he scored about seven tries against Duke Yorks in our first game year of sixth form. And it was like, it was suddenly like all this work that we'd done nine, 10, year 9, 10, 11, uh, and then went on a New Zealand tour in 2008. We came back and everything we spoke about was targeting that first game back. And literally, we team of Duke Yorks who we'd lost to in my year in year 9 and 10, we ended up beating like 94 nil 
in our first game, the sixth one, we were like, what the heck? What? Yeah, we were just thinking, like, what has happened here? Like, um, it was probably the first time that we thought, actually, we are good enough to to beat most teams. And, yeah, we, we ended up going on and I think we lost one in the regular season that year and same the year after. Um, who um who was like who were the best players that you played personally at schoolboy level? Did you play anyone particularly famous or uh, played against or played for? Yeah, played play, played, played against. Uh, played against. So me and me and a guy called Rob Horsell Turner were lucky enough in our in our final year to play. It wasn't for 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 Kent itself, but it was like a Kent select side against uh, Whitgift in there sort of like warm up for the Daily Mail and they had <laughs> their their team was honestly ridiculous for schoolboy level. I think they had um they had a guy called George Merrick who's now uh who was Harlequin second row is now playing in Clermont. Yeah. Um they had Elliot Daly playing at centre for them. They had oh, Marlon Yard on one wing and then uh, a guy who was like a schoolboy nightmare back then was a guy called Lawrence Okoye who went on to be GB Discus and he's like six at seven, 18 stone on the wing, on the wing. And you're just like, well, what am I, what am I going to do against him? Like I'm halfway through puberty here and he's, he's, he's 20 so, so, stone. So you won. So you uh, won yeah, we, we, we lost about 50 <laughs> odd, 50 odd points to five, I think. Oh, so Did you funny. get the try? I did not, definitely not. I I had a <laughs> I had a torrid game that game. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so who in in that um, first fifteen from Cranbrook, do you still speak to a lot of them? Obviously, we know you still speak to Big Dave, but is has it been sort of like a case of keeping in contact a lot? Or yeah, you know, I'm really? I, I'm still I'm still in a WhatsApp group with I think it's ten or eleven of us from from school that were good mates, and from that team in there's obviously Dave. Rob, uh, a guy called Angus Ferno, who was a centre, a guy called Duncan Ovens, who was also a centre. Um, I guess they're the main guys from those team, from that team. Um, but then I'll keep in touch with a lot of guys like Henry Comey, Tom Blakesy was our captain. Um, so yeah, quite a few from that from that side. We actually still yeah, keep in touch. Sure. Like obviously not like close mates, mates, because everyone does their own thing in, in life and stuff but like I'm I'm happy to say that I've got a good what 10 years almost 11 years later got a good Cranbrook group of mates yeah. still yeah that's really nice to be fair um and another thing on Cranbrook so in episode four we actually spoke about our favorite Cranbrook memories and we spoke quite a bit about Alex Presnell uh, <laughs> and sort of some of the funny stuff he comes out with so are there any things that sort of you you think back to particularly funny things maybe to do with Alex Presnell um, that he did or said or things that um, happened. Yeah, Prez. There's so many one-liners. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, he's still he's still posting them on Facebook though. If you if you're friends with him yeah. on Facebook, you occasionally get the odd the odd one-liner. It's great. I don't I don't go on Facebook that much, but when I do, I, I will see something from Prez just pop up. I'm like, oh my god! And I can read and read it in his voice as well, which is <laughs> makes yeah. me funnier. Um, I remember I remember a few times. I think we were doing that in-house basketball or something and he always he always used to brag that he's like if you do the layup correctly you'll never miss it and he was like i've done 18 years i've never missed a layup and <laughs> one, se- one session he did it and missed and everyone was like right, is anyone gonna, <laughs> <laughs> is anyone gonna do something um literally he 
bat like someone said it and he just batted it off with such confidence we're like oh yeah we're wrong we're wrong sorry press <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant that's so funny yeah we can we can definitely relate to that with some of our stories if um you should listen back to episode four Rory. i think you find it quite funny um, yeah <laughs> that's a good one um, but yeah that. and also so uk actually came back to cranbrook after you won the silver medal uh, if you remember and you you did a training session with our team Yep. Um, and we all sort of had our had our pictures of you, that silver medal. Little did we know that you'd go on and, and play in the World Cup. I think uh, Mal's got a little funny story about uh, you and Cornwallis. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just like when, when I think, because obviously when you were playing sevens, even then we like knew, thought of you as like a big like idol. Like I, rem- I remember even the, us watching you on TV. I think it was like the one standout try. With, I don't know if you remember it where it was like, uh, I think it was semi-final or something against France, I think, and it was last play, and and I got put all the way out to your wing, uh, out to your wing, and it was just a sprint down the line. And you just gassed the man. <laughs> I, I remember us just getting gassed, so gassed for that. But yeah, um, so when obviously you came into Cornwallis, I think like me and Ed would be gassed. I think Ed Ed would just come down like he'd be like, "It's Rory, Rory's here," and then he'd like go get a rugby ball, and I see if you want to like pass it around. But, <laughs> Do you remember that at all? Because I actually remember it quite clearly. It embarrassing. <laughs> uh, I think Dave might have mentioned that actually. Yeah, I also um, I did actually send a little Instagram direct. Uh, I, I commented on an Instagram post of yours, I think, because Dan Norton had commented on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I made some sort of sly comment about stepping him and breaking his ankles or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually replied. He actually replied. So I was pretty gassed by that as well. But um... <laughs> Yeah, Dave came in and was like, Rory's just messaged me. Why are you trying to start beef with Dan Norton? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we've, like we've been told never to engage in, you know, online trolls and stuff. So I'm not sure why not. I'm, not <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good mate of yours now. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny no. okay so now sort of moving slightly away from Cranbrook um, we want to talk a bit more about your time at Bath I mean in particular your transition from 7s to 15s so what we've obviously we've, we've heard a lot of interviews we haven't really heard that much about like why did you want to transfer from 7s to 15s was it sort of a lifestyle thing or was it more so that you sort of sort of felt like you'd you'd done all there was in in 7s um, why did you really want to make that transition? Um, I guess it, it definitely wouldn't be a lifestyle thing because I, I can't really compare playing in Dubai or Cape Town over oh. in December to so playing playing at the wreck in, in the cold wind and rain. <laughs> um, so it wouldn't be a lifestyle thing. I, I guess, yeah, it was more the opportunities that could happen in, in 15s. Um, that I'd never tried before. So I was obviously n- never part of any academy and stuff. So I didn't really know what special 15 setup was like. Um, it was all from hearsay and, and listening to what other people spoke about. Um, and I, like, I was, I was honest with, with my coaches um, the year before I left the sevens, just saying like, I wanted to try and get, as my season goal, I wanted to try and get a 15s contract offer. And it wasn't the fact that I desperately just wanted to go to 15s. It had to be right. Um, it has to be the right club and and for me to actually want to make the move um, because like the sevens obviously it was, I spoke about the lifestyle is incredible being able to travel the world living in that part of London was was really cool um, and then just the the uniqueness of the group was 
was something that it just I, I just don't think it's replicated anywhere else i think because you're you're in such a small group of what 16 people and 12 of you 13 of you will travel around to different tournaments each year you, you become so close and you just don't get that anywhere else um and like still really good mates with most of them um and that i think that was the biggest thing that was stopping me from wanting to move because i was like well what's the point like it's it's incredible here why do i want to leave this um but it was that big what if um if i finished my career at sevens and retired i would have had something in the back of my head thinking like could you have tried 15 but would would you have been good enough and and if i if i wasn't good enough then it was still something i wanted to try and and left left on really good terms with the holding and staff and, and management so they they they'd more than happily have hopefully have taken me back um if things yeah. hadn't worked out um but yeah very very happy that i did make the leap and you know i'd mm-hmm. love i'd love to say it was i was batting off loads of clubs but it was actually the only part of the only club that that <laughs> offered really? me offered me anything so no um, and la- and luckily i knew knew a few people here and, and knew how lovely it was and a nice town it was so um mm. uh, yeah it was it was an easy decision in the end did you have like an agent or something that sort of just like reached out to all the clubs and then it was, it was yeah just yeah pretty, yeah <laughs> pretty much out. like you like at most like 99 percent of players will have these will have agents that they they're close with and stuff so yeah basically all my job was to keep trying to play as well as I possibly could for the sevens and his job was to keep just talking to different clubs and um luckily as i said that one of the people i knew at bath was the old england and team gb analyst so he could clip my videos without me having to try and make one of those highlight reels and stuff and mm. he he already had the footage on on his database so he's like right i can just show it straight to the head coach yeah. and stuff so and they obviously uh, went yeah. like oh this guy's got it yeah <laughs> <laughs> He's snapping ankles left and right. So yeah, this, this guy can hold in. a bag, hold a tackle bag for a year. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I was, how did you... go on, Ed? I was just going to ask. So, so you said that you're still in in touch with quite a lot of the sevens boys. Like, who who would you say you're like really good mates out of that lot? Um, probably closest probably with a guy called AJ Davis, Alex Davis. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's actually he's in Bristol at the moment. Um, that's where he's from originally, and so I've caught up with a couple of walks with him. Um, Dan Norton. Social distancing, I hope. Obviously. <laughs> um, Dan Norton, Tom Mitchell, Rich the Carpentier. Um, keep, all keep the big touch. names then. Yeah, all the big <laughs> names. Keep keep in touch with them loads, and you know it's it's just helpful with with the sevens. They're all. I think it was, it's easy to say, oh, it's a no dickheads policy and stuff, but it's, it's, it was like, if if you have one like, sort of bad app, rotten apple, it, it becomes toxic in a team that travels and lives together for almost six months a year. So like they are all just genuinely good blokes. Mm. And how did you find the transfer? Because I know you, you sort of just mentioned about the lifestyle of sevens, obviously hugely different. So how did you find the, the the change in lifestyle? I mean, like mentally and and physically. Yeah, it's, um, mentally, it's it was more about um, once I started actually playing. Like the first few months, like it was more about just learning the game, and I assume that would be the case for the first first year or so um but it's sort of uh fast forwarded a bit and um yeah and then sort of in november i started to play more regularly and play for the first team and that was 
a big wake up call in how you go weekend to weekend sort of thing, Saturday to Saturday and have to like build up all week for this game and then completely flip the switch on Monday and go for the next game, which obviously in the sevens you build up for a tournament over sort of three weeks and then you play the tournament and it's six yeah, six games across two days and you don't really have time to think about it whilst um yeah, it's all about prepping for one team for the whole week for uh for fifteens and just basically getting your body in the right shape to go again the next week and that that was that was a bit of a wake up call um and then obviously the weather uh like <laughs> i think my first my first team debut was actually in a ni- nice day against Worcester at the rack and then i played the week after away at Newcastle and like it was sideways rain it was like two degrees and I was like Friday, a cold Friday night. And it was literally the week that boys were getting ready to go out to Dubai with the sevens. And I was like, what oh. am I doing? <laughs> I think I was actually at that um, Worcester game. At the oh, really? I went there with, cause yeah, cause my flatmates Ports Worcester and I, I could see you running up and down the touchline. I was like, Oh, go on Rory. Yeah. And then you got, got on the pitch. And I was so gassed. Was yeah. His life Mal, do you remember that, um, that game we went to see at the wreck against Saracens? Yeah, yeah. We, who were, it was us three and then a couple other guys we had. But um, I think we all had like a couple drinks. There's a funny story from that. To be fair, because we all, we all obviously you, you'd been you started that game, so we all wanted to try get down to the touchline at the end of the game um, to to try like say hi or something like that. And I think Ed was definitely um, had the most to drink we can put. <laughs> and um, he ran straight to the the front. Um, uh, of the touchline, he actually jumped in front of the cameraman, and the cameraman literally grabbed him. And was like, "What are you doing?" Like, grabbed him, pulled him back, and it was just like, "What is going on?" It was like, "Rory, I, Rory." I have no recollection. I have no recollection. So, yeah, obviously, so obviously, one, one too many drinks, but yeah. Cameraman was fuming. I don't know what we expect. I think we were expecting you to stay on the pitch. It was pouring down with rain. Awful conditions. No tries. No tries. I think, yeah, no. I think you, you touched the ball twice. Yeah. <laughs> how did you um actually, how did you make, get your like uh, start, like getting into the first team for Bath? Like, how did that come about? Um, so I, I played a few A-League or it's now called the Premiership Shield, uh, Premier Shield games um, and sort of did, yeah, did all right in them. Still, still so raw to like how to play the game and stuff, like just the amount of detail that goes in. And then, then there was a Premiership Cup, um, sort of three games in a row. I think we played Quinn's. Quinns, Newcastle and Exeter and like didn't do too badly against them and sort of have been pushing in training and, and sort of just naturally learning how to play the game a bit better in training and, and making a few indents there and then Autumn Internationals time was about Anthony was already injured Joe got selected um, and then Alec Brew broke his wrist in, in the last Premiership game before the block Um and so suddenly there was like there was like an opening, um, but it could have been on the bench, could have been like to start. So I managed to get on the bench as sort of a back three cover. Um, as Tom Homer had got injured as well, that was another thing. Jeez, um, that's a long so, injury list. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like you look back at it, and I was like, if Joe hadn't been called up, or these guys hadn't been injured, I might not have got a shot at all, and might have literally just never. Because you you do get it. You get players at clubs who 
just never seem to get their shot. Like either the coaches just don't trust them um, or the coaches don't want to change the first team for whatever reason. Um, so like if, if that hadn't happened, I may never have sort of got that shot or I would have got it against another team later on and might have had a shocker sort of thing. So it just, it just happened. Yeah. At a, at a good time, I guess. And, but then like at the same time, you, I guess you've got to take your chances when, when you can. Was it quite yeah. uh, nerve wracking when you did finally like make your debut or were you, were you kind of like sort of like used to the nerves with, cause obviously you've been playing like pro sevens a lot and, playing for Bath a bit, you're a bit used to it, or what was it like? Uh, no, you, you never get used to the nerves. Um, I, I always still get pretty nervous before matches, even if it's, even if you're starting or on the bench sort of thing. Um, so I, I think, I think on the bench, it's worse for me. Um, I think you probably, you because you're sat there and you're waiting and you're like, I could be on now. And then you sort of start double guessing yourself in your head. And you're like, do I want to go on? No, no, no. The team's going fine. I don't want to. Don't want to play. Like, don't put me on. And, and then when you're on after 30 seconds, you've forgotten about it. So um, no, it it was good. We like I remember coming on against Worcester, and actually we'd like momentum had swung our way massively just as I was coming on, and so we were on top of them for a good few minutes, um, and it just made it so much easier. Like I could have, like I can only imagine if I'd come on and the first thing they did was put a massive high ball up on me. Um, and if I've, if I've dropped that, then suddenly it's completely different and changes the whole whole game and whole whole feeling behind the game. Um, so, yeah, so sometimes you're just, you're lucky, um, yeah, when you get your chance. Nice. Sorry, I was just going to ask, um, so who are sort of like your best mates at Bath? Obviously, you've you've had been there a couple of years now you've had had some time you should be like fully settled in and stuff and are, are there any like funny stories from um <laughs> or maybe if you could pick one i'm sure there's <laughs> um good mates firstly i'd say like my my housemate of who i've lived with since coming over here a guy called max clark um mm-hmm. is a yeah top bloke loose loose character as well um but yeah, he's very, very good. He's got a good few night out stories. Um, but him, I'd say a guy called another, he's, it's not the same guy, but another guy called Alex Davis, who helped me massively in my first few months. He's sort of 32, 33 years old almost. And, um, but also does a bit of coaching on the side. So first few months, he'd like just helped me loads after sessions in terms of kicking and just general phase play and stuff. Um, yeah, so those two, uh, to be fair, there's a few guys that are good, sort of good mates. Um, it, it's very different because a lot of them, a lot of them will grow up in rugby clubs and as in grow up through professional systems, and all they know is is rugby mates, and that's what I'm very happy about. That I actually had a quite a large part of my life before professional rugby, so I've got good mates from school and and university that I sort of probably am closer with, but. Um, so it's actually a good good out after if I don't want to be thinking about rugby I'd, like chatting with them is, is perfect whilst if you've just got mates in a rugby environment then you're just rugby non-stop which I thought used to be cool but um are you, well, you you get a bit you need you need your you need your downtime yeah for sure you definitely want some balance yeah um, um Rory what's what's your favorite club in Bath nightclub yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Where am uh, I going to see you next year, Rory? Yeah. The the only the only place we seem to go is is Walcott House. 
we'll Slightly house, good Mackie. That, it, that's yeah. like the the posh uh, upper class <laughs> non non studenty yeah. nightclub. We try and, but I'll be sure to be then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> try and stay away from the students as much as possible. Now we've been. At, I've done a few few nights in that have sort of like we went for a drink in Belushi's and ended up there until like one or two in the morning playing beer pong with randomers. Yeah. Been, yeah. Like, good Wait, fun. is that the pub you normally go to? Um, <laughs> no. To, to be fair, to be fair, if we are going to pub. There's, there's so like you know, there's so many in bars. Like yeah, it literally, yeah. it's, it's a different one, different choice, depending what the yeah. feeling is. I'm just, I'm just trying to track you down. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Um, I, I have a question, my more personal, but sort of about you moving forward now. Obviously, you've been to the World Cup. Um, what are sort of like your goals for the next couple of seasons? Are you, are you aiming to stay in Bath um, and and carry on going with that, or move away, move move to France, go for a money move, or what? What sort of and what sort of are your goals? Um, I t- like honestly, the a lot of players will want it, and maybe I'll be different at the time, but the the playing overseas part has never has never really appealed to me. Um, like I, I love, I've, I've still got a few more years left on my, on my Bath contract, so I'm not mm. going anywhere anytime soon. And who knows at the end of that, um, I could be 32, 33 years old and no other club might want me. So it might, that might be the time to, time to retire. Um, we, so, we'd, we'd want you, Ros. We'd, we'd. <laughs> I might get back to the cranes maybe. Um, <laughs> But um, no, it's yeah, it's it's never fully appealed to me. I can I can see why people want to do that. I think, lucky enough, the fact that I did travel with the sevens and did have a year out abroad <clears throat> in New Zealand playing, like I know what it's I know what it's like playing playing abroad and stuff. And I've done it almost. Not that I I don't want to do it, but I've I've already done it. So there's no real need to push for that. Um, I think in the next few years, I definitely I definitely want. Oh, well, it's easy to say it, but I de- like the club desperately wants silverware, and I think we've got everything in place to do that. It's just small little things that need changing or improving that we can we can do as a team and and get there. And I feel that we we've definitely got the ability ability for it. Um, and then I guess on a personal note, I think going, you know, wanting to get back in that that England squad and um, being around that environment, like the World Cup was was incredible and, and as a first taster of sort of an international setup like you kind of have that bar set so high now that you you're desperately trying to get back to it um and that de- like definitely agreed that my form post world cup wasn't good enough to be selected like i was hampered with an injury and then i wasn't playing well and that mixed together it's just like i i i could foresee myself not getting picked in the six nations so i almost wanted I just want to get a good run of game, games together for Bath. And, you know, if I'm playing well for Bath, then the rest should do its thing. But, like, it's 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 a too, it's probably too difficult to think, right, what do I need to do to get back into England? Like, actually, the focus should be on how can I do best and get Bath winning and, and help as much as possible for that. And then everything else should just come on top of that. How did you feel your uh, games for England actually went? Because... Uh, was it right that you made your debut against Italy, I think? And um, we were, I remember we, we uh, all came around mine and we watched it and um, you made that big tackle on like their centre or something, which like knocked the, not made them knock it on or something. But uh, how, did, how did you felt they, your games went? 
Um, it honestly, it, it goes so quickly. And that's, that's one thing that I took away from it. I think, um, like I enjoyed playing with them, uh, enjoyed playing in them. Um, but it, it was kind of like, because you're, I, I, I had an issue at the world cup in terms of, because you're in that bubble and a few months before I was so happy just to be training with them and just trying to get through each week and, and see what happens at the end. If I didn't make the world cup squad, like it was no, it was no shock. Like uh, I'd just come into rugby that year. Um, but when you fight, when you crack into that squad and then like you start training and playing well, and then you don't sort of play to the best of your ability or don't get the opportunities that you want. Suddenly you're thinking like, like shit, I didn't, didn't do enough. Like I'm not going to be able to do enough to crack into like the starting 23. Like when we got, we got a back three of, Anthony, uh, Johnny and Elliot, like it's, it's some of the best back three players in the world. So you've got to do something sort of above and beyond to try and try and get into that. Um, and so I almost found myself after, after each that Italy and the USA game, almost a bit pissed off in terms of like, I didn't do anything incredible or like highlight real stuff that was going to warrant myself being picked. So like for a few for a few days, like I was I was really down and pissed off about it. But actually, when you take a step back, you still realise like I'm part of an in- firstly I'm part of an international side. Like that's incredible as it is. And secondly, I'm part of an international side that's now second best in the world, sort of thing. Like gets to the World Cup final. Like it's it's incredible to be a part of. And I, and I think I'll in, a, in the next few years and and in the future, I'll definitely become even more proud of it. But at the time, you're so focused about performing and try to do all you can to get into that team um, that you kind of lose track of that a bit. Yeah. Mm, yeah, for sure. For sure. And um, we have, I think we don't want to take up too much of your time. We have one more question. It's That's a very right. quick one uh, about the premiership. Um, who's going to win the premiership next season? Next season or this season? Next season. Next season. Uh, I'd go, I'd, I'd place my bets on Bath Rugby, obviously. <laughs> of course, and, well, and your realist and your realistic aim. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know we we know that um, in the last couple seasons, and and they'll tell you before, like they feel like they've underachieved and stuff. And you know, you look at last season, we were we were fifth and a point off fourth place, and we felt we played pretty terribly like that season. And then this year, again, we've had like half of our games, we, we've like looked at ourselves and thought like, why are we playing this way and what are we doing to ourselves? And we're still in the top six. And we're like, well, just think how good we could be when we actually flip, flip the switch and actually stay consistent. Then, you know, like we've definitely got the talent. Like I, I still don't know a side that has sort of a back line with the potential that we have. And that's just me looking at that forwards wise. We've got some incredible players and like some international class. Right. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I think we just need to put, put a good set of results <laughs> together and then we'll get there. Now we're, um, what a salary is going to look like in the champ then. I'll see you in a couple of seasons. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Roy, I think there was just one last thing. Uh, you wanted to give a shout out to one of the charities you've been working quite closely with, I think. Yes. Uh, so I've been, so it's called shout or, or give us a shout.org. Um, it's basically a, an organization that uh, I've worked with. Um, yeah. Coming up, coming up to two years now um, where it's basically, it's like, it's, 
called a crisis text line. So um, actually, a lot of a lot of the texts we get in are, are young people that you know feel they're in a crisis, and you know it can be like the the high percentage is, is suicidal thoughts or, or depression or anxiety. Um, so it's basically a service to give these guys a platform to talk to us. Um, if they don't feel they can talk to someone face to face or over the phone, it's much easier to text in. Um, so if anyone's yeah in a crisis, then people are there twenty four seven for them um, to hopefully help them get through it. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, if you cause. if you send us a link to that, we'll uh, get some posts going for that as well. Cool, um, really. Thank you, that. thank you very much for coming on, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure yeah, having thanks, you. Thanks, Rory. This has been Much Joe Rugby Episode 9, Professional Rugby Player Special. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Cheers, guys. Rugby.